0: Welcome to Our Next Existence by Katie and The Chorus. I'm Katie, former technology strategist turned reluctant spiritual medium, and I channel messages from The Chorus, a group of beings just beyond our sensory perceptions who are loving, expansive, and who greatly enjoy sharing their perspective of us. Join us each week as we share and discuss their ideas about humanity's existence, purpose, and future. Concepts you can draw from to accelerate your path, Expand your perceptions and ultimately step into the flow of the universe and your life. Welcome back, everyone. Looks like we have some listeners joining us now from France. Bonjour, bienvenue. I lived in France for a little while. Oh, I freaking love that country. So beautiful. Food is fantastic. And when I was there, I could actually eat food, (laughs) like gluten, dairy. Oh, it was great. So welcome. Ever since I recorded this episode, I keep singing that Justin Bieber song, the I'm So Lonely song. You know, I don't know if it's made it to all corners of the world yet or France, but every time I hear it, it's like, oh God. God, it's awful, turn it off. Not the song, not the song, Justin, I'm a fan. It's the, the sentiment, it's, it's the loneliness. I hear it and it's like, no, I can't. I just can't listen to this right now. It's a little bit humanity's ballad, isn't it? Here we are, standing on our rock in the middle of the black darkness of space singing how lonely we are. How lonely and separate we feel from each other. The chorus has something to say about that today, and I think you'll really enjoy it. In the first part of the episode, you'll hear directly from the chorus themselves, and then afterward, we will discuss. So, enjoy the party with our friends, the chorus. are so pleased to be with you again it is no small thing that you are able in your way in your day in your time to hear our words to experience our frequencies we exist in such a very different place than you all do in your five senses environment on what you call your planet earth We have learned so much from being able to watch, to experience, to observe, to participate in your existence here, as well as your awakening. It is a great honor to us to be part of this experience, to have been chosen, you might say, energetically, to assist you, to walk beside you on your paths. Humanity is a great curiosity for many more than you can yet imagine who exist in creation. There was a time not too long ago for those of us who are outside your environment when we were fully and completely connected to you energetically, that is. When you embarked upon the experience that you have been having here, it was with great love and great desire and great purpose. You chose willingly, joyfully, lovingly, the experience of limitation, of the perception of disallowance of energy. And it was a choice that none had made before. We, by our ability to know you then, as you might say, and to know you now, as you might say, have had a most incredible experience of being disconnected, you might say, from you as you went through this experience. For though we all could perceive you energetically, though we all never lost track of you, you might say, in some sense, there was another part of you, the conscious part of you, that was focused wholly and explicitly on these limited frequencies, and thus in your inability To be conscious of us, there was also a part of you which was difficult for those outside of your game to connect to as well. We would be cautious to use the word loss with a human, for it means so much more to you in your environment than it does to us where we are. But it would not be inaccurate to say. That for a time, for the time of your existence here, there was, in a way, a loss of contact with you. In this way, beloved ones, we also had a sort of peripheral experience of limitation and lack. You gave it to us most lovingly. We knew, as you knew, that when you expand forward in love, you are flowing in the infinitely trustworthy safety of the universe. Therefore, there was never a doubt for those of us outside of your environment that eventually reunification was inevitable. But we understand now, beloved ones, that for you in the game, that seemed very much a possibility. That humankind might have imagined that there could be no one else out there besides you. What a powerful experience that is. What an incredible, unique unto creation experience you have given yourselves in the possibility, the perception of being alone. Beloved ones, in the episodes and books and words to come, we will share with you many aspects of your existences here that have been quite a curiosity to those of us outside your game. In doing so, we rejoice for you are finally perceptive enough of our frequencies, of frequencies beyond your frequencies of limitation to even perceive these concepts, to even perceive these ideas of our perspectives that were wholly outside your experience. What we wish to tell you today, most lovingly, is that, beloved ones, you are not and have never been alone. Not in your dreams, not in the things you hoped to achieve in your life, not in the ideas that come into your mind that you dare not speak to others, You have not been alone in your physical existences, in your day to day life, when you believe yourselves to be isolated physically from those you love. And you are most especially not alone in the universe. How much we love you. How much. We have always loved you. In the days and weeks to come, beloved ones, you will find more and more topics, opportunities, and experiences of connection with those around you. This is another very powerful demonstration of your awakening. That is, you are leaving behind your ideas, your beliefs, that in millennia's past had given you the experience of difference and isolation and loneliness. As this illusion dissipates, what you will find are joyful, loving connections with those around you In more and more expansive ways, you are not as different from each other as you might think. As humanity awakens to its broader commonalities, you open the door for connections to other beings who you might have previously found very different from you as well beloved ones we are beyond words in how we feel being here with you all we love you infinitely and we will of course speak with you soon someone say once that when you cry it is a representation of a belief that you are releasing can be not always when you're crying I guess I don't know but sometimes it's uh you're letting something out you are literally crying something out you're releasing a belief So there have definitely been some times I have channeled and it has brought me to tears. And if I sounded a little throaty and slobbery in that session just now, it's because I was definitely weeping as the words that they were saying were coming through. I was releasing. Maybe you did too. Maybe you're not a weeper. It's fine. You might have still released something even if you didn't cry. But maybe you felt something in that frequency that assisted you maybe in letting something go. Loneliness is another one of those aspects of being human. Which we don't often sit around and talk about as a species, except maybe in recent epics. Because sometimes recently the loneliness feels very acute. It feels very impactful to feel so different or so disconnected from others around you that sensation, that frequency is becoming more conscious to us. I got to tell you that coming from a background in technology and then going through a spiritual awakening where I started to hear all sorts of voices and perceived messages and Know things and realize things was a pretty lonely experience because I didn't feel comfortable sharing it with anyone. Not only was I sick and going through a mysterious illness, which nobody could diagnose and most people said was in my head, but then desperate for answers, I opened up to things that I normally would not have. And to my surprise, there were things on the other side of that opening, a feisty, teasing, and infinitely loving group of beings to be exact. I remember going into meetings at the office. By this point in time, I was channeling every which way that I could just to see if I could do it. So I used to channel on the drive to work to see if I could drive and navigate traffic while also channeling. It got to the point where on most mornings, it it was as normal as pouring a cup of coffee, get in the car, start channeling. And so I would have these most amazing conversations on the way to work where I was growing in my understanding of things, but also in just my ability to perceive things about myself and about people around me and things I was going through, and then I'd pull into the parking lot, say thanks and see you later to the chorus, (laughs) grab my laptop bag and walk into the office, and then spend the next several hours having a completely human experience. And I know you're going to say, why didn't you channel while you were at work? Seems like a pretty good tool to have in your back pocket. And do you know, it never occurred to me until close to the very end. The chorus was never a place that I went to for specific to-dos or answers. As I always joke, the chorus does not give out lottery numbers. It was more of a place that I went to as a refuge from all of this human stuff from my illness, from things I was struggling with. I didn't drag all of that with me into that place, if you know what I mean. I'm sure you have sacred places like that too. And so I would bring questions sometimes, but they weren't about, should I go see that doctor or shouldn't I? It was more about why, why do humans get sick? It was questions about the things that I was experiencing over there, not the things themselves. So standing in those meetings, I was aware of this dual life that I was living. And I oftentimes felt like an imposter in both directions. So I would be in a meeting about, a piece of technology, a satellite, an analysis, some data, you name it. And some of my colleagues who are all loving and phenomenal people would crack a joke about, you know, it's not like some crystal shop down in Boulder. They would allude somehow in some sort of condescending way to spirituality and new age and things like that and I would freeze up. It was such an instinctual reaction. I would sort of suck in a breath and look down like, oh my God, they're going to know that's me. Now, I don't own any crystals. (laughs) I don't know that I've ever even been to a crystal shop in Boulder. But the connection was there in the sense that those people believed things. That, because of my own experiences, I was starting to believe too. And then I would have an imposter syndrome on the reverse. I can remember times where I was sitting around with friends and they would be sharing something amazing that they were going through in their lives, that they were coming to a perspective on, reaching for an understanding of what this was trying to teach them. And I realized that in their perception, I was a technologist and pragmatic and and very caring and sometimes had good things to say, but I wasn't at all tied into that side of the world. And so I felt a different type of imposter syndrome. I would feel a sadness that I had so much to say and so much to share with them. But if I did, how would I explain all of the experiences that I had and all of the things that I was going through that I, quite frankly, was still terrified of myself? I asked the chorus about this sort of thing. Multiple times. And one of the things that they pointed out to me early on was that there is no such thing as separation, as loneliness. You have to create it. You put things in the way of your relationships with others. Beliefs create distance between you. And other people and other beings. This made sense to me on some level, but on another level, I thought, I don't understand what I'm putting in between me and the other people. I think this is one of the more powerful aspects of what the chorus had to say today. That from their vantage point and from their experience of creation, there is no such thing as. Loneliness, that all things are infinitely connected, infinitely reachable, infinitely knowable. But that in our choice to exist here, we gave ourselves the experience of a perception of being disconnected and isolated and lonely. And that by way of observing us or remaining connected to us through this experience, they also had. An experience of disconnection. But I think they meant it in more ways than just the beings who are outside of our game looking in at us, being disconnected from them, but that also we give ourselves the experience of loneliness and separation from each other. The more beliefs I have that you and I are different the more my ability to connect to you and others is diminished. Because I have beliefs that it is difficult or perhaps impossible to connect to someone who is different than I am. Now, if you look at this from the perspective of the chorus, who live in an environment of infinite variety, how often do you think they come into contact with things that are different than they are? All the time. (laughs) So isn't it pretty incredible that we have been able to give ourselves such a complete and thorough experience of loneliness and of disconnection by believing that anything that is slightly different than we are or more that we cannot connect to, do not understand, or even better, fear. We've waged a lot of wars on the shit that we're afraid of. (laughs) And I don't just mean other people. I mean the stuff inside of us. The things that we are afraid to acknowledge, wanting or thinking or feeling or being, we wage a full-time war on keeping that stuff contained. Fear is one of the emotions that I have been well entrenched in, in this experience of spiritual awakening. It was one of the first emotions that I asked the chorus about because the sensations I was having were so debilitating. Similar to how they defined anger, they gave me an energetic definition for the sensation of fear, which went something like this Fear is a perception of the fence line of the game. Fear is the friction, you could say, in a similar way as anger, between the limitations or the furthest extent of your belief system and new energy that you are coming into contact with. Fear is your perception of the limitations of the belief system and the boundary at which you can either continue in the game or leave it. This took me a long time to absorb because it had such broad implications. Because humans feel fear in a lot of different ways. So let's take a few examples. Let's start with perhaps the easiest physical fear. There is a sensation of fear that a human gets when they perceive themselves to be in the way of bodily harm or life threatening types of situations. That fear is something that we often call instinctual because we believe our life and death response is built into the fabric of the physical beings that we are. In fact, we believe it to be built into all sorts of physical beings, bunnies, dogs, cats, lions, apes, us, Energetically, what the course would say rather is that the fear that you sense in those situations is related to your experience at the boundary or the periphery of what our belief systems will allow. We have a lot of beliefs about what our bodies are capable of doing and recovering from and healing from and achieving, etc., Athletes will be able to resonate with this most strongly, especially those who participate in outdoor or extreme sports. When someone is free climbing a mountain face that is going to take them days to accomplish, they are stretching the limits of what we all believe a human body is capable of achieving. Now, those athletes probably have sensations of fear that arise over the course of preparing for such an ascent, of engaging in such an ascent, and completing it. The fear may range in sensation, Again, as they talked about last week, nuance is part of what we are beginning to perceive in terms of our own perceptions of our emotions, which are reads on energy. And so it's less about whether or not that fear made them you know, buckle at the knees and crumble to the ground or it just was a low-grade agitation that woke them up in the middle of the night or some other thing. It's less about the form that it takes and it's more about They experience it as they push the limits on what their bodies are capable of doing, which inherently pushes the limits on what all of us believe is possible. Let's take an example that's closer to my own experience, which is pushing the limits on what we believe to be real. Humans have, again, a lot of beliefs about what is real and what's not, what's possible and what's not. And that, much like the limiting beliefs that we have about our physical bodies, keeps us in the experience of limitation here in the game. As we've spoken about before, you kind of can't have an experience of limitation while watching someone fly through the sky, never need to eat food, never need to sleep, and never age. Experiencing that kind of manifestation would disrupt your connection to your own beliefs and limitation. And you would say, wait a second, how come I'm not flying and that guy is? So similarly, in terms of allowing ourselves to experience things beyond our sensory perceptions we have been very averse to those experiences. We have dismissed them. We have condemned them. We have, in a sense, attacked all sorts of experiences that others have claimed to have had, but are impossible to replicate or impossible to observe with the five senses. This is a Perfect mechanism of maintaining the boundaries of the game. Because, similar to watching someone fly through the sky, if you experienced all sorts of beings that were beyond the five senses manifestations, you would start to wonder about what is out there beyond the five senses frequencies. And your focus. Your engagement in the game would be broadened. Therefore, your limitation would be lessened. You can probably look at experiences of fear in your own life and see how when you walked up to the thing that made you afraid, there were a lot of beliefs getting activated that were telling you to turn back from the experience performance artists will understand this is the sensation of stage fright. So you're standing on the side of the stage, you're about to go on stage, and you have a sensation of fear, which would say, turn around and run. (laughs) Run away from the stage, run away from the audience. This is terrifying. It could be terrible. We don't know what's going to happen. Now, what a human in this day and age will say is, but wait a second, I know that good things happen, can happen when I push through the fear. Yes, there are a lot of inspirational quotes out there too about, you know, confront the thing that fears you or what would you do if you could not fail? These are all quotes about our experience of fear at the boundaries of the game. In millennia past, we did not have this concept about what was possible on the other side of our fear because we were more fully engrossed in the experience of the game. And thus, anytime we walked up to the boundary of our own beliefs and felt that sensation of fear, without even contemplating it, we did turn away from the fence line And plunge ourselves back into the depths of our limiting beliefs. You may have people in your life actually who do this still, that they continually come up to something that causes them fear. And rather than contemplating it or talking about it or even pushing themselves to move through it, they turn around and walk away from it again and again and again and again. Maybe they are afraid to leave. A relationship, and you've watched them in this relationship for years. They seem wholly miserable in this relationship. They know that they're miserable in this relationship. And yet, for some reason, they just can't muster the nerve to just leave the relationship. And this is where I would point out mm, not their fault. As a human, In the experience of limitation, we are connected to, we have the choice of being connected to a great many beliefs that cause us to turn away from the fence line, to turn away from the thing that scares us and go back into other versions and forms of limitation And while it may look like to us as outside observers that that relationship has been the same damn thing this whole time, and why can't that person just leave it? In actuality, all things are constantly being created. And so what may look like a singular relationship is actually a series of a variety of different experiences of limitation said another way, that person's not yet done. Accomplishing and learning what they came here to do and are doing by way of a manifestation that looks to us like an endless toxic relationship. So I asked the chorus one time, I said, okay, if fear is the perception of sort of the boundaries of the game, the boundaries of our limited beliefs, Why does it feel so shitty if all of us are expanding? If awakening is expansion from a point of limitation, and so here I am with one foot in the game, in the limitation that we experience here, and one foot stretching out beyond that boundary, why does it feel so bad? I mean, fear sucks. Have you ever felt debilitating, awful fear? I have. Pure terror. Pure terror at what I had been able to perceive, at what I had done, at where I had been and couldn't explain where I had been. I mean, terror sucks. And they said, well, you're viewing it from within the game. And it does feel that terrible to you because you are activating colossal beliefs. About the unwantedness of fear. You are activating your own distaste, disgust, aversion to the sensation of fear itself, which is causing you to turn away from that thing. I said, okay, but then how do we ever expand beyond our beliefs if? it feels so awful to move through fear. Like how do we keep pushing through the fence line or hop over it or whatever you want to say without having to just constantly battle ourselves and our own fear? And they said, oh, well, you use the loophole. And I said, what's the loophole? And they said, love. Now, if you've tuned into a few of the podcasts before this week, you know that we've spent a little bit of time On the sensation of love. Now we call love a thing, an emotion, and a positive emotion. The chorus calls it an energetic read, basically. It's our perception of energy. And the energy that we are perceiving, that we call love, is allowance. An unconditional allowing of whatever it is. In our perception about ourselves, about our jobs, about our relationships, When we love, according to them, and it's different than finding something that's pleasing, when we love, that energetic sensation is an unconditional allowance. And in that moment, what we are achieving is a cessation of participation in the belief systems of this game. And so we lift up. We lighten, we step back into flow because all of these beliefs are what are required to keep us constantly limiting ourselves. Otherwise, we would sort of just bob back up to the surface, back into infinite flowing energy. <laughs> and so, when we love and we feel the corresponding sensations of lightness, of ease, of lessening, that is our perfect energetic perception of a loophole you could say or also of stepping ever so slightly off the game and so they said sure you could push through the boundary you could do that from the conscious perspective inside the game so i here i am as a game piece in the game board and there's the wall there's the boundary and watch this i'm going to train I'm going to practice. I'm going to force myself onto that stage. I'm going to do the thing that scares me. And you blast right through the wall. And you do it. And that's the perspective from coming from the game, working your way out. Now, alternately, you could shift perspectives and you could say, oh, well, I want to do this from the perspective of my more expansive self. And then the more expansive self says, isn't this game amazing? Isn't this perfect? Can you believe what we constructed? This is incredible. Nowhere else in creation can you experience limitation like this. Amazing. And from that more expansive, unconditional, and loving perspective, you sort of just, expand right off the game. It's really up to you. You can do either one. And I would say that most of us are going to continue to try out both (laughs) for quite some time. We're not done confronting our fear and we're just getting started loving all the things that we're afraid of. And so going back to that example of your friend in the endless relationship, Have you ever, and this is rare today for humans, but it won't be rare for forever. Have you ever watched someone leave a relationship intact? Meaning they are intact, the other person is intact, that they somehow come to a realization separately and also jointly that they're both moving on. Doesn't happen often, but it can. That is the same thing that is moving the boundary of limiting beliefs outward by way of unconditional love. I still feel afraid. I wish I didn't, I'll be honest, because it still at times really sucks. But what I've gotten to, at least by now, is the continual recollection in that moment of what the chorus said. And so though I'm still very much in my game piece perspective and not enjoying the sensations of fear, I can also understand that it's me standing at the fence line. And so I feel both. I'm sort of, at the moment, trapped on the fence line. (laughs) I'm not trapped. I mean, come on. But the analogy works. I'm just constantly standing on the fence and looking down at this immense wall and feeling both. I feel the fear from within the game that's like, put this down and walk away. We're going to go do something else, not this. Get off the wall, get off the wall, get off the wall. (laughs) And then I also feel this other part of me that says, look at this. Isn't this amazing? All this stuff, this universe on the other side of this wall. And look how strong this wall is. Look at that. It keeps everything contained inside and all these limitations can be experienced inside of this wall. It's just incredible. And it's like, I'm so amazed. I can't leave it. I just keep looking at the wall. They told me once that there are important things that happen at the fence line and that there are those of us who are already and will spend more time at the fence line than others because we're doing a job in a way. We are connecting the energies from beyond the game up to the wall and to little doorways, little exit ramps, little ladders here and there and all over the place that others, when it's time and should they wish it, can access. And so I know that there are those of you out there who are resonating very strongly with this topic right now because you have had a variety of sensations of fear in your life, fear that continues to maybe revisit you in ways that you can't explain, or that you also seem to constantly be drawn to doing things that you are afraid of. You just can't help it you see a destiny or you see an accomplishment or you see a possibility to do something and it scares you and you say, oh, well then I'm moving in that direction. Or it may not even be a conscious choice. You may just continually finding yourself moving in that direction. Like you never planned to summit El Cap, but gosh, it just felt like you needed to. And so where other people would say, why, why do you do that? I, that is, sounds terrifying. You say, I don't know. I just, I just, I'm just drawn to it. This is, again, another aspect of speaking to the chorus over the years that has really had an ap- impact on me of realizing how special and how telling even the slightest inclinations that you have are about who you are. Down to the snacks that you prefer. I'm not kidding. When you have a slight inclination to do something, we have so many beliefs that dismiss it. But those inclinations are all versions of inspirations as we talked about two or three weeks ago as desires as we spoke about last week they are all energized moments of experiencing your own flow and so when you're not even consciously thinking about it and you somehow just find yourself on the internet researching that place that You're afraid to go, and yet you have always wanted to go, and here you are now researching it, right? Seems like such a slight inclination. Seems like such a small thing. I'm just Googling something. I'm just on the internet. When from the chorus's perspective, that is an incredible perception of the expansiveness of your being reaching you all the way down into the game and the depths of our limiting belief systems that you didn't just say, nope, I got to do this. 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 I got to go to bed, wake up, got to do this, got to do this, right? You have stretched outside of the automatic responsiveness that the belief systems drive of our experience here to sort of wander off the path into Google, wander off the path into preparing for a performance that terrifies you, or as was in my case, inevitably wandering into a quiet part of the house and returning again and again and again to these beings and this experience, which terrified me, but also felt like everything I was ever meant to do and also like the most loving and perfect place I was ever meant to be in. We are at a point in our time right now where spiritual awakening can be scary because now you know. When you are having expansive experiences in your life, you are most likely standing at the fence line of your own limiting beliefs. Will it feel scary for forever? Nope. Does it have to feel scary right now? Nope. Will it still sometimes feel scary as you Build the ladders over the fence line from both inside the game and outside of the game? Yes. But the more you bring to consciousness the fact that this is what you're doing, the more you move ever so slightly out of the pure feeling of fear up a level to, oh, wow, I see it. I see what I'm feeling right now and then you move up a level and go oh here it comes here comes the fence line yep now i'm here and then up a level to, wow would you look at this fence line i can see the whole freaking thing from here it's incredible as you sort of expand in your perspective by bringing the light of your consciousness to this boundary to this essential experience of the game, you will begin to perceive it in more and different ways and the sensations of fear will change. And if you are still feeling fear and not too thrilled about it, (laughs) I commiserate. And I think that's the next most important thing that the chorus said today, which is you are not alone. You have never been alone. Our perception of loneliness was an experience that we gave to ourselves by way of the beliefs that we hold here. And so, if you look around at the fence line, you'll see that there's a lot of us there. And we've been so enmeshed in our experience of the game and the path that we took to the fence line that we're just starting to awaken to the fact that there are many of us standing side by side at that periphery. And, but a hair's breadth away, are all the other beings who have lovingly watched us, waited for us, however you want to put it, while we were here. And they saw the whole thing. They experienced it all with us. They understand us sometimes more consciously than we understand ourselves. (laughs) And I do believe that that's where we're headed that we will move out of the experience of a singular sensation of fear that isolates us in our experience from others, and rather that we will discover how unifying fear can be, how much in common we have with so many others who are perceiving fear right now as well, And in that realization, the sensation of fear that is lonely or isolating or something to overcome transforms itself into love. Watch out, Fence Line. Humanity's coming for you. We're going to love you so much that we're going to float right on by. For listening, we hope you found these messages to be helpful. May they accelerate you on your path wherever you'd like it to go. For more information, check out our website at katieandthechorus.com. There, you will find show quotes, episode transcripts, details on our book, The Book of Human Awakening, as well as our newsletter sign up. Visit katieandthechorus.com. Thanks again. See you next time.